When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. We're here for the View from the Opposition podcast, a day before Newcastle United take on Bournemouth at St James's Park. I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Crocker of the Daily Echo as we discuss this weekend's game at St James's Park. Tom, how are you doing this afternoon? Afternoon, all good. Thank you for having me back on. Yeah, just um, gearing up for the long old trip. But yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, once a season I can just about manage it. <laughs> yeah, uh, thankfully you don't have to do it anymore, I suppose. But yeah, good to see that you're going to be making the long journey up and catching you in the St James's Park press box at the weekend. Big game, um, two sides probably going into it in different veins of form. Um, the two sides met just before the end of 2023 um, with Bournemouth coming out on top. But I suppose just to start with, Bournemouth's form of late been a little bit shaky. Um, you know, the last Premier League win was on Boxing Day. You've had a couple of good cup wins since then. Just sort of give our listeners a little bit of an idea as to how Bournemouth are playing at the moment. Yeah, it's a, it was a brilliant December, which I think it's probably first to mention is it sort of dipped off since then. But I think December they won, I think, six games maybe, something like that. And it was all absolutely flying. I don't think anyone sort of could really work out why it suddenly clicked and all turned around like it had. And then it's sort of dipped back again the other way now. Um, so heading up to up to Newcastle in a bit of a yeah, bit of a poor run in terms of, I think it's five without a win in the league. Um, since since Boxing Day, a um, couple of draws in there, but performances have dipped the last few weeks as well, which has been a bit of a concern. Um, and yeah, they're just whatever was working in December sort of stopped working a little bit in, in the last few weeks. I think there's a few reasons for that, which we can probably get into. But um, yeah, I think it's like I said, they're in different veins of form. And I think it'll, I don't think many people are going to travel up too optimistically now than they might have done a few weeks ago. But with the way the last couple of games have gone, I think it's uh, yeah, it looks like a difficult ask at the moment um, for Saturday. And I think just going back to that that game that they had in, in November, um, it was a very, very solid Bournemouth performance that day. They really put Newcastle under pressure, um, a really front foot performance. Is that sort of typical of what you know, you've know you come to expect of this Bournemouth team? Or was it just sort of how it fell on that day with Newcastle a little bit hit by injuries and the fact it was a home game? Yeah, so I think there's a few sort of factors. I mean, the just prior to that, they had they'd just got their first win of the season against Burnley. I mean, before that, they started with sort of big, big on uh, winless run to start the season. They got the win against Burnley, which sort of lifted some pressure. Um, and I think the they then lost against Man City and Liverpool, which everyone could sort of sort of just sweep away really as games that you, if we lose anyway. And then that Newcastle game, given the situation Newcastle were in at the time, I think it was a big factor. They were missing sort of half their squad, from what I remember, and had a load of kids on the bench and things. And it was just everything. It picked, found them at the perfect time and everything Bournemouth did on that day. They were brilliant, I think, 2-0. It's fair to say, probably flat at Newcastle, to be honest. And then the, the following week was the same away at Sheffield United. That could have been four or five as well. And then that just sort of sparked a brilliant run. Brilliant one run of form for throughout till the end of the year, really. Um, so, yeah, that, that game against Newcastle started the run. I think, like I say, they, they probably met them at the perfect time. Everything clicked. It was a uh, yeah, brilliant performance. Best they put in at that point so far in, in the season. Um, 
Yeah, it's hard to know exactly how much of it is, was them being good and how much was Newcastle struggling. But I think Newcastle still got some decent results around that time, even with a lot of injuries in fairness. So um, sort of if you look at sort of the weeks before and after, but yeah, and everything worked for them from that day. And I think it gave them massive confidence going in forward that they had just beaten a team that was in the Champions League, to be honest. It was a massive scalp for them at that point in time. And, and you know, with Bournemouth coming up here at St James's Park, as you say, a long, long trip for them to make. Um, what what have the performance been like for Bournemouth away from home, um, and also against teams that are maybe above them in the league as well? Have they struggled? Have they changed the style of play at all? That's now that's one thing the manager doesn't tend to do is change what he does home or away. He's quite a big believer in that. Um, he, he, I think he did once from memory a wet man city and they lost six one anyway so it doesn't really make much difference um so yeah, i think he very much he tries to be on the front foot tries to play the same whatever game it is and yeah i think i actually think they got more points away than they ever home uh last time i checked i think that's still the, the stat now so it doesn't make actually that much difference where they're playing they try and press teams high try and be on the front foot they're going to give chances away but they're also going to create a lot of chances as well like last week where fulham they had 25 shots i mean a lot of them were sort of wayward shots to be honest and they weren't great in that game but it just shows the intent they have they always want to try and float fly forwards whoever they're playing um sort of highlighted i guess mostly when they went to old traffic and won three nil fully deservedly as well it wasn't sort of smash and grab game they were dominant for most of that game and that was a run of three away wins in a row when they won at Sheffield united and forest as well so yeah it doesn't seem to really matter where they're playing i think it's that they're going to try and do what they do and again there's some games where it won't work i think they went to probably a similar sort of um in terms of the big atmosphere and things, they went to Everton, which they're obviously having a difficult season again at times. But when you go there in Goodison Spot Park, it's rocking. It can be difficult, and they very much gave Everton a early head start. And if they do the same at Newcastle, I imagine it'll be a similar sort of atmosphere there, and they all fell apart at Everton. So, yeah, a couple of the away trips have been difficult, but they'll try and approach it the same way. I think home or away. I think, as you say, with that manager and his set style of play, you know, at least they, you know, they're going to get there, and they're not just going to set up and try and mm. nick a result and park the bus and it's interesting that you mentioned the manager because i did want to come on to him obviously just to take everybody's minds back obviously bournemouth uh i think it was around a year ago obviously get rid of gary o'neill um as a neutral and probably for me sitting here not knowing too much about you know bournemouth it seemed like a very confusing decision you know he looked like he'd done a very good job there gary o'neill um and to obviously bring in Ariola, who was a bit of an unknown um was seen as a big risk by many now that they obviously the dust settled and he's sort of got his feet under the table what have you found with that manager how does it compare and, and has the you know the feeling around that snacking and, and replacing him changed at all i think i'd say the feeling from the outside and the feeling from the fan base here was, was very different i think obviously you look at it and i can understand why everyone looked at it from the outside and even from our point of view as well it was just a big surprise um <clears throat> gary had done brilliantly came in as an interim got the job permanently in December and kept him up and, and did well up until the end of the season so everyone expected him to come back and do the same again um but I think if you looked at a bit closer at the the performances some of them especially towards the lot I think the last four games of the season they lost and I think fans who made those saw those games and some saw some of the other games thought maybe they're the squad of the potential could be better in terms of style than than what they were showing. I think that was the main reason for what they did in terms of the change. Um Brittany Rayola was obviously he was wanted by the clubs across the across the world really and the, the timing fell right that he left left his job in Rio Balcano and 
Bournemouth decided to go from it, to take the plunge, take the gamble, if you like. And I think they thought it's now or never we're going to make this massive sort of cultural change to how we play and how we approach things. It's the first time they ever got an overseas manager in as well. Um, so that was just a big culture change for everyone. And it's, um, yeah, it took, it took some time to, to settle. I mean, it wasn't a great start to the season, a bit of a worry there. But yeah, the last sort of couple of months, really, everyone's, everyone can sort of see why it's working out. And I mentioned obviously Gary as well, doing brilliantly at Wolves. So it's, it's a rare occasion where sort of managerial sacking has worked out well for all parties, really. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's interesting that obviously you mentioned his time at Balacano there. Um, it was very well documented that Eddie Howe during his sabbatical obviously took a lot of time out of the game and travelled the world to go and speak to other coaches in, in a lot of disciplines. And one of the teams that he went to actually go see was the Raiola's Balacano yeah. and they, they had a, a good few days together. Um is that sort of testament to how this manager is seen and the way his setup in the system seen that, you know, yes, it might take a little bit of time to click, but he's clearly very, very highly thought of. Yeah, I think definitely, like you say, it's, I think Eddie took in a lot during that, that time away and the fact that he went wanted to go and seek him out, I think says a lot. Um, so Leeds were very keen to bring him in last season. He decided he didn't want to go mid-season. Um <clears throat> Yeah, that's just an example of, a, of teams that were looking at him, and there's he would have had other offers when he left, and there was a sort of free agent last summer. Um, yeah, I think the the style, like I say, is the main reason why they've gone for it. Really, it's a front for aggressive style, and it's like I say, it took a bit of time, but and some some fans getting used to this new way of way of working and everything. But he's very much a you can see why he's so highly rated and the way he works and everything. And a lot of it as well with so a lot of it's been made of it down done these parts but it, without his own sort of coaching staff really that just didn't bring anyone what, what brought one fitness coach with him with him the rest of it was all just the current staff that he's had so it's very much been him implementing that on all them as well as the players which i think is quite a, quite a big deal to be honest so it's yeah the fact he's managed to do that um in a sort of six month spell and they're looking pretty comfortable in terms of the league and things at the moment yeah i think it's uh just testament to to what what he can bring and it's gonna be interesting to see how long he sort of stays here and how long his, how his career sort of develops really because he's um yeah what he did in spain and what he's starting to do here is um yeah quite impressive yeah it'd be very very interesting to see whether he can sort of translate that sex uh, success over here and uh, just moving on to the players tom um that we're going to see this weekend obviously we know that Bournemouth have got a few injuries um away from you know the likes of dominic Solanke, who everybody sort of knows about now who are the danger men that might have just snuck under the radar, but who could really hurt Newcastle this weekend? Yeah, I was expecting this question to be honest. I'll have a little, try and have a little think through because <laughs> it's, it's difficult because the last few weeks have been, yeah, tough watch at times, to be honest. But Solanke is obviously the, obviously the main one. And he, if they're in the last few weeks, he's been quite quiet. I think teams are starting to maybe put more attention on him and he's finding it a bit more difficult to, to, to get the space and things that he had before. Um, but in terms of the rest of the team, I think Ryan Christie someone that's definitely caught the eye. Um, I think it was around this time last year maybe he was sort of out the team completely and no one really know which way his career was going where he's going to fit in and he's been brought into a new role in sort of a more of a holding central role um alongside lewis cook and those two they've sort of fallen into into this position together two positions they've really played before cook playing the deepest one and then chrissy just sort of as the eight really and this season it's just worked out they they were it wasn't meant to be the plan they signed players to play those roles and alex scott and tyler adams and they were injured so they had to find players to fit in um, and Chrissy's definitely, I think he's up there with Bridges below Solanke as the player of the season for, for the club. Um, it's the way he drives and things are under new contract and everything as well. So he's he's probably the one 
Um, again, the last couple of games hasn't been brilliant for him, but um, it's been the same for the whole team, really. But I think he's he's probably one that stands out. They've got a lot of talented wingers as well, which is on their day. They're brilliant. It's just, again, it's in terms of they're a bit patchy form-wise, all of them at the moment. It's hard to, to nail down who's definitely going to start there. Um, and yeah, it's, the rest of the team is... He said there's a few injuries, so it's kind of picking itself really behind that. Um, but yeah, I think Christian Cook in the midfield has been a, a key part of why they did so well throughout sort of November, December. And those two have sort of nailed down their place in the team now, so they're probably the ones I'd, I'd mention. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's one player that you haven't mentioned there who I was, I've had a keen interest in for a while, given how highly rated it was. I know he's had his injury problems, but that's Alex Scott, mm. um, a player who was actually linked quite heavily to Newcastle United when he was playing in the championship. Uh, obviously, Bournemouth won uh, what was quite a contested race for his signature um, back in the summer. What, what's he been like so far, um, given that he was so highly rated uh, when he played at Bristol City? Yeah, brilliant when he first came. Well, he first came when he was injured, but when he came back to was fit again, he was brilliant for those first two or three games and everyone was really, really excited about what he could do. And he was just something so different to anyone else in the team. Um, and then, unfortunately, I think two or three games late into coming back, he got another injury. So it was kept out again for a long time. And then it was, yeah, he's sort of back in the team now. But I think they're trying to find the exact position for him to play because he's been playing a bit further forward in the last few weeks. It hasn't really been working out. I think he's probably best a bit deeper. But as mentioned, Cook and Christie have been so good, it's hard to sort of break up that partnership. Um, I think over the next few months, he'll, he will now nail down a place and, and show how good he can really be again. Um so he got taken off quite early at Fulham last week. It wasn't his best day. But yeah, the, the the early signs, especially when he first came in and just sort of took everyone, took everyone's breath away, really, of how good he was. And that's the potential he's got. Obviously, he's still really young, so he's going to have ups and downs. But you can see why they paid the money for him. I think he's got a massive future in the game. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Clubs like Newcastle and all other clubs, I'm sure, were, were keeping a good eye on him. And Paul's done well to get that deal over the line, I think. Yeah, 100%. It might turn out to be one that Newcastle just regret. Um, not managing to get over the line. Sticking with the transfer uh, theme, Tom, you come to me and join me on this podcast in a very interesting week, given that Newcastle have actually been linked with a couple of uh, Bournemouth players in the last couple of days. I just want to go through a couple of them, um, starting with Lloyd Kelly, um, a defender who is a free agent in the summer, uh, known obviously to Eddie Howen, who has been linked with a move uh, away from Bournemouth. What's sort of his future like at the club and... Um, you know, why is it sort of got to the stage where he's a couple of months away from being a free agent? Um, and why do you think Newcastle are interested? Yeah, there's a few. He's a bit of a complicated case, really, in that his relationship with the club and the fans has been up and down, I think, since he signed. He, he signed a lot of injuries when Eddie was there and didn't really play a lot in the first season, um, got relegated and then then became captain on Scott Parker and got them promoted again. Um, that was sort of the second season of the championship. Um, but there was a thing at the time maybe even during that season, to be honest, when sort of some of the fans turned and were even I think there's one game in particular where they were sort of booing some of the stuff he was doing in terms of passing backwards and things like that. And the squad sort of rallied around him at that point. And since then, it's never really felt the same in terms of his relationship with the club. Um, and then Gary O'Neill came in, took the captain's armband off him as well, which, again, it's, it's hard to know exactly how he felt about that. But speaking... Never, just, it's never usually good, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird because, I mean... Obviously, he kept playing it and got quite. He played still played quite a lot of games, but from a human level, you'd imagine that must have been a bit of a blow to lose that. Um, so I think that's been in the in the mind. I think ever since then, it's it sort of looked like he was probably going to leave, and 
it's they're there to, despite that, the club maintain they still want to try and get to sign if they can, and he still plays quite regularly when he's when he's available. And it's um, yeah, it's just in terms of I say his fitness has been a, a big issue this season again. I and mean, he's whenever he's fit, he plays either left back or centre back. But he's missed quite a lot of football with a couple of injuries, and in the summer he nearly left as well. Um, the club were adamant they were going to keep him and if they need to let him go for free rather than take 20 million for him they feel he's he's that valuable to the team to just make sure they stay up firstly um in the summer they turned down money from Tottenham for him and he missed a game because of the speculation he was sort of I imagine he would have been quite keen to go there and it didn't happen um since then in fairness he seems quite focused and, and happy that he's going to be here to the end of the season he'll do what he can till then and then he'll be looks like he's going to be a free agent so he's gonna have a lot of offers I'd have thought so he is, yeah, it just feels like it's heading towards a natural sort of parting of the ways. Um, I think he, there is still a very, very good player in there. Whenever he goes, wherever he goes, I'm sure he can he can still do really, really well. It just feels like, because of those reasons I mentioned, it's it's been like this sort of been on the cards for maybe a year or so, and it's, it's just just getting him through to the end of the season now. And if they can time, try and get into some sort of contract, they'll, they'll keep trying, I think, because he does play whenever he's available and they keep managers keep picking him. But I just, I just feel like... It seems like he's he's ready to move on in the summer. Mm-hmm. And in terms of his quality, I mean, Newcastle fans have been quite receptive to the news that they might be picking him up. But I think they've more been saying that because there's going to be no transfer fee involved. Obviously, with yeah. FFP, they've been yeah. trying to save pennies wherever they can. Um, rather than, you know, thinking, oh, we're going to get this fantastic player. For, for Newcastle fans listening who maybe don't know much about Kelly, in terms of the quality he possesses, do you think... You know, arriving at a club like Newcastle who have aspirations of getting back in the Champions League, would he be a good fit? I could, yeah, I can see him going to one of these top Premier League sides. I think he's got all the sort of skill set to do it. Obviously, there's clubs in Europe, well, potentially looking at him as well. So you don't know how much that is his real sort of talk and how much of it is just the fact that he's a free agent and everyone links him to everyone. But yeah, he's. I think if if he does leave this summer, I think it'll be to one of the top. Like say, Spurs will get ready to pay twenty million for him. So. That sort of says quite a lot straight away. I mean, he's, I think he's, I still probably think he's best at, at centre back. He plays a lot of left back just because that's what Bournemouth needed this season. And yeah, he keeps getting moved around between the two. And I think he's, for us, especially at centre back, he's he's quick and strong, and he is good on the ball and it's and good in the air. So he's he's a he's a, he'd be, I think he will be a good fit wherever he does go. It's just like I mentioned before, it feels like it's just. Um, Seems like everyone's sort of accepting that he's going to leave here, um, and so it, the relationship with the fans, I don't think, has ever fully recovered. To be honest, from from what happened a couple of years ago. So, but in terms of him as a player, yeah, I think especially as a centre back, I can see him fitting in really well, um, and he can obviously cover a left back as well and, and do a good job there, which obviously makes him more attractive for left foot centre back. Always quite attractive, especially an English one. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be a lot of a lot of things. Top our Premier League teams trying to trying to get him in the summer. Well, that'll have definitely reassured Newcastle fans that they're getting a good player, not just a, a free agent in the summer if they can pick him up. Um, Tom, another player that's been linked um, pretty much in, in all the same stories as Lloyd Kelly this week is Philip Billen, um, midfielder who I think is valued at around £15 million, um, scored against Newcastle at St James's Park last time around. For me, I would absolutely love Philip Billen to come in. I think he's absolutely fantastic. And I've seen... As I've just said, I've seen a lot of Newcastle fans very excited by the prospect of picking up Kelly and others who have said that Newcastle should be aiming higher than Billing, which for me is really disrespectful to him. What sort of his future at the club and, and what do you make of those links to Newcastle? 
Yeah, it's again a really interesting case in that he was someone who was out again out of the team for a bit. I think it was when Jason Tindall was manager, actually, wasn't in the side for a little bit, um, in the championship even. Um, and then Jason Tindall left and he Billing suddenly became sort of one of the main man in the team, pushed further forwards. He used to play sort of just centre mid, number eight sort of thing. He's been playing further forwards, number 10, and suddenly got loads of goals and they realised that's probably his best position. Um, so since that point, the last couple of years, he's been one of the main goal scorers in the team, one of the first names on the team sheet um, until probably midway through this season. Well, I mean, from sort of halfway through the games we've had so far, maybe. So just before the, the, the winning run against Newcastle started, I think. Um, around that sort of time, he lost his place in the team. Um, not not long after that, it was just before that. And the team was winning and doing well and he struggled to get his place back in the team again. And I think... Probably the, that's probably the part of the fact is why he's now being linked because he's he only signed a new contract. I think it was last summer or some. He's, he's tied down for quite a few years yet, so I think it's probably the fact he's not been playing as much, which would be why he's maybe being linked with a move away. Uh, I think he's only started once since October, November time. Obviously, now he's banned for three games. He got sent off as well. So um, yeah, it's, it's whether he fits exactly the system as well. I think there is a bit of a question mark about that as where he fits in under this manager. So the, the players that are playing in that position now are quite different to Billing. So bringing him in back into the team, it's it's hard to see exactly where he would definitely fit. And if the manager definitely fancies him in that role, which is probably why he's been linked. Uh, in terms of the price, I'm, I'm not entirely sure because, I mean, they paid £15 million for him. Um, you'd imagine they'd want to get a profit on that given what he's done and given given the electron's contract. So I'd, I'd have thought they want a bit more than that personally. But if he's someone who's not happy and the manager's always quite keen to say if the players aren't happy, then they can go essentially. So, um, yeah, I think that might play into it a little bit. If that gets the end of the season, he's still not playing much. Um, but right now, I'd say he's under, he is under contract. And if he can get back in the team, then it might be a bit of a different story. But as we sit here right now, he's obviously not, not played much in the last few months and, He's been sitting out the next couple because of suspension. So, yes, I think it's probably natural that maybe his name's going to come up as, as potentially being one of those who could be available at some point. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting one to keep an eye on um, ahead of the summer. And, I mean, another man who's been in Newcastle, I feel like we're just rolling along off the conveyor mm-hmm. belt, yeah. Um, but probably the biggest one and definitely the biggest price tag involved is Dominic Solanke now. Mm. Newcastle weren't alone in being linked with him in January. I've seen him obviously linked to Tottenham. Um and other teams like that. This seems like a really, really interesting one to me because um, I actually wrote a piece about this in the January window where I said, you know, don't listen to what fans are saying. I actually think this would be a really, really good deal. Um, The price tag might be a bit on the high side, but I actually think Solanke is a really, really top talent. And a lot of fans, again, were sort of saying, is he in castle quality? In terms of Solanke, do you feel like he's now getting to the stage where he's earned another big move to one of these clubs or um as you were saying earlier in the show do you think teams will start to find him out and that purple patch is maybe over Bournemouth must be doing all right if they've been half the team's been linked for the move to Newcastle it's not, not all bad is it but um yeah no it's um again he's in terms of the the price tag firstly I the club aren't going to let him go for anything less than a really really high fee just because again he's an English striker who was under contract for a long time and he's he's going to be so so hard to replace because he is basically whatever the team do is all around him and it has been for the last two three years even when he wasn't scoring every week as he isn't now 
you take him out of the team for a couple of games, the team looks completely different and nowhere near as good. So mm-hmm. they're not going to let him go for... I don't even really want to put a number on it, but it's going to be... All the numbers that are out there and being quoted, I could see it being even higher than that because they're they're so desperate to keep him. He's... At, again, that might... The only way it changes is if he suddenly pushes and wants to, wants to move. But the way he is now, he's, I think, a big factor in... If he's whether it's whether he's whether he's ready, I don't know. But I mean, it's whether he would want to do it again. He's done Chelsea, he's done Liverpool, hasn't worked out either. Would he want to go and risk going somewhere else, having a month or so without scoring many goals and being on the bench and being out of the team, and then being in a very different position? Whereas now, like I say, he hasn't been great the last two or three weeks. Or oh, sorry, he's been marked out of the game a bit more, but everyone knows he's still going to be first name on the team sheet. So he's in that position where he's he's guaranteed to play. He's the main man here. The club are very ambitious. They're spending a lot of money. They want to push up towards European places themselves, as the owner keeps saying. So, for him to to make the move, obviously, if a club in the Champions League or something comes calling, it's you'd imagine he'd want to look at it. But it's again whether he also mentioned a lot about England, and if he if he gets overlooked now, he he might start thinking: Is it because I'm at Bournemouth? Is it not come somewhere else? So I think they're the factors as well, which might come into it. But in terms of his quality, I think he's. There's a reason he's been linked with all these clubs. I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's like he's not good enough to play for them. I think he absolutely is, and what he offers and everything like that. I, I don't think it was just a purple patch. Obviously, in terms of the goal scoring, not many people are going to keep up that rate of goals. But in terms of his performances, I think he'll carry on playing as he has done for the last sort of two years anyway, um, or, or even longer than that from the championship upwards. He's been, yeah, the sort of the main man for a long, long time. So, yeah, I can see him. He's going to keep getting linked constantly i'd imagine for the next few months and yeah they obviously have brought in a new striker as well in nsu now which some people are saying is he sort of been brought in now just in case dom does go at some point because i think it's he's he was quite highly rated and scored a lot of goals in the league so he's not normally on the bench for very long so that's probably an interesting part as well um so they might be maybe have got a replacement in mind there already if he does end up moving but yeah in terms of his quality i think he's good enough to, to play for those teams i just think it's going to cost someone a lot of money and it's going to possibly have to be him pushing to go as well for that to happen. But right now, it seems like he's very settled and hard to see that happening um, as we sit right now. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because Eddie House obviously signed a lot of these players that oh, they're being linked with, yeah. and he saw something in Dominic Solanke when a lot of others didn't, when he obviously, as you say, he struggled to make the grade at Chelsea. He obviously didn't perform at Liverpool. Um, so it'd be very, very interesting to see whether, you know, how goes for it again. But as you say, the price tag I expect is going to be astronomical and in these times of hardship that Premier League teams are facing at the moment it might be a difficult deal to pull off um just on Solanke again you've touched on it there but you see sort of falling out of form a little bit and um I think that's probably going to be music to the the ears and Newcastle fans ahead of this weekend but what's he sort of been like in recent weeks because the goal scoring at the start of the season was just fantastic yeah I think it's just more the team at the moment it's like I think I don't know if it's Again, I don't want to sound like they're completely out of form and they're useless. Like this has been four, four or five games. They're still in a good position. They're still picked up a couple of points in that time. It's just they were so good before that, winning every week essentially. And now it, I don't know if it's because I've got I've got a sense the last couple of weeks that teams are obviously it's the second time round playing everyone and they've now maybe seen this what this manager does a bit more. They've seen what Solanke does a bit more, and it's maybe going to take almost a little while to sort of find a new sort of way to to make these players shine again in these games and whether it's um yeah whether teams are just sort of working out what Bournemouth are doing a little bit um 
again, this, there's other reasons they've some of the goals given away are really poor as well. So it's just sort of a couple of individual errors in that which have made games difficult. But yeah, it's just not quite clicked going forwards recently. Not not all because of Dom at all. I think the players behind him are struggling a bit for form as well, which a lot of it's going to be down to sort of service and things. And it feels like maybe they're cutting off the lines to them a bit more, other teams now. Um, but he's, yeah, he's still not not on the top, top form he was maybe when probably in, we well, scored a couple of didn't he, against Newcastle, to be fair, last time. But I mean, and then on from there, he was brilliant um, in terms of his goal scoring. But he's still, yeah, going to be the main the main man they're going to look to to try and do anything this weekend, I think. So, yeah, maybe not quite, perhaps not quite where he was a month or so ago when he was, well, he's Premier League player a month, first first time the club have ever had one of them. So that sort of says it all for, for him, really. And yeah, it's just the club have found, the team have found it a little bit difficult to to find the results as they did sort of a few weeks ago. Well, as I say, that should be uh, music to Newcastle fans. Yes, and hopefully saves his resurgence and form until after this weekend. Uh, Tom, just before I let you go, um, I know you've just stressed to say there that you, you didn't think uh, Bournemouth are completely out of sorts and it's only been a four or five game run. But what's your prediction for this weekend? Do they have any chance of doing a double over Newcastle? Uh, I mean, being honest, I think Newcastle probably win. I think at home they're, they're particularly strong and especially at the, at the moment with with the way things are going so obviously Eddie Howe's not actually won a league game against Bournemouth yet and his three previous attempts so that's something which uh yeah I think I don't know how I think as he plays them more and more it will get less of a factor for him I think last season it definitely played a part in terms of you can see just emotionally it was it was a strange situation for him playing Bournemouth but um yeah I think it at some point he's going to have to get that get that win over them I can see it coming this weekend I think Bournemouth tend to score to be fair they don't they don't think it's only once since November or October, they haven't actually scored in a game. So I think they could probably nick a goal, especially Newcastle seem to be shipping a few at the moment. So I wouldn't surprise me if Bournemouth got a goal, but I think Newcastle will get the job done, to be honest. Um, yeah, I can see it being a home win. Well, hopefully for us anyway, that that vision comes true. Uh, Tom, <laughs> thanks very much for joining us this afternoon. I hope that long journey up um, on Friday night or on Saturday morning um, is okay for you. And, and thanks very much for coming on. Love to have your company. Uh, Tom Crocker there from the Daily Echo, uh, giving us the insight of Bournemouth ahead of this weekend's game. Uh, as for us, we'll have Lee Ryder's post-match reaction uh, live on YouTube and on your podcast provider uh, straight after the game. And myself and Andrew will be back on Monday uh, for the Monday show, hopefully talking about a big Newcastle United win. Until then, we'll speak to you very, very soon. <laughs>